You know, sometimes a single phone call can change the trajectory of your life. Uh, when Tim and I were dating, we were in our mid-20s, he went to China for a couple years. We were kind of on again, off again, dating long distance. And there was this few week period of time where he came back to Wisconsin, uh, where we're both from. And I was working and uh, he came back to the States and he went on like a two week road trip with some buddies from college. And um, as his girlfriend, I didn't really like that <laughs> because I thought he should be spending more time with me while he was home. So I was kind of like giving him the cold shoulder and stuff. And on the way back from this road trip that he was on with these guys, he stopped at a payphone, which if you're under 30, you can ask your neighbor what that is. But he uh, stops at this payphone on the way back from the road trip and he calls me and I'm at my parents' house, and I answer, and he says, can I drive three hours to come see you? That phone call changed our trajectory. Now, my response was, you know, a little like, well, yeah, I want him to come, but I'm kind of ticked at him for going on this road trip. So I think I said something like, that's fine. <laughs> But that phone call did change the trajectory of our relationship. Eventually, we ended up getting married. Speaking of marriage, congratulations to Ashlyn and Zach, who just got married this past weekend. Ashlyn is our junior high youth pastor here. We're so happy for you, too. So congratulations. But I bet everybody in this room can probably think of a time. You probably can think of a time where a phone call changed the trajectory of your life. Sometimes it's something of joy, the news that a baby was born, you got the job you wanted. Very often though, it is a phone call from the doctor and the news isn't good. Or it's a phone call from the principal's office or the police station about your child. Or it is a phone call from your boss who wants to meet with you because the company is downsizing. We can probably all think of times where a phone call changed the tra trajectory of our Sometimes it's the loss of someone that you love. And that phone call is like, it divides your life into like before that phone call and after that phone call. There are phone calls that we receive where you remember when it was and you remember where you were. And you will remember those two things until the day you die. It was the phone call that changed everything. And here's the thing. For everybody, one day a phone call is coming for you. I hate to say it, but it is true. One day news will rock your world. And when that phone call comes, you will find yourself living in one of two conditions, one of two states. Either you will find yourself mostly isolated, with not a lot of connections, with not a whole lot of people you can think to call in that moment, or you will find yourself living into community. And you will have people 
who you know and who know you because you've spent time together, you've eaten together, you've laughed together, you've prayed together, you've cried together, you have shared life together. And those people won't be able to fix it. They won't be able to tie a pretty bow on it. They won't be able to make everything all right. But they will hold you up like by an invisible force when you're falling apart. They will support you and they will care for you. And that is what I want for you and for me when the phone call comes. Community is like, it's like an invisible source of strength. And God says, you will not grow without it. You cannot thrive without it. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer said this. He was contrasting the strength of people living in relationship against the fragility of people and the vulnerability of people living in isolation. And this is what he said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity, anyone who falls in has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And what the ancient writer is saying here has been reaffirmed time and time and time again by researchers today. These ancient words of scripture have been over and over again confirmed by research. So one famous researcher, Harvard researcher Robert Putnam, says that people who are isolated are more likely to experience colds, heart attacks, strokes, cancer, depression, premature death, all these things. He cites over a dozen different studies that show this. This is what he says. People who are socially disconnected are between two and five times more likely to die from all causes compared with matched individuals who have close ties. What the ancient writer said in Ecclesiastes is like reaffirmed through research over and over again. Like God's plan is for nobody to be alone. For everybody to be known. For everybody to be loved. For everybody to be cared for and cherished and valued. And God's plan for that is the church. And the church is not a building. It's not programs. It's not a slick, fine, and beautiful website. It's not the leadership. It's not the belief statement. The church is the people. It's the body of Christ. It's you and me. It's people living into community together. That's the church. In Acts chapter 2, there's this classic passage about the early church. It says that people, the early followers of Jesus... It says they devoted themselves. It's a very strong word. They devoted themselves to community. So they learned together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They studied together. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They shared with each other. They suffered together. And they shared with one another in quite remarkable ways. They were doing life together. They were people living into community. 
and they did it regularly. They met together weekly in the temple courts. They met together daily in each other's homes to break bread together. All throughout the scriptures we see from the beginning of Genesis all the way through that God, God loves community. God himself is a community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we, his people, are made in that image. God loves community. He hates aloneness. He loves inclusion. He hates when people are excluded. God loves family. He hates isolation. It's like Jesus created this new community and called it the church. And then he even taught us to pray with this language, our Father. When you pray as Jesus taught you to pray, it's like, our Father, right away, you can be aware that you have thousands of brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and sisters and brothers all around the world. Our Father who art in heaven. This means that there's this church, this worldwide family of God. And for all of the ways, and there are so many ways, for all of the ways that we, humanly speaking, have messed up the church, it is amazing that it is still quite powerful, that it still actually works in extraordinary ways in people's lives, despite how much we humanly have messed it up. It's because people living in community is God's way. So in that same book, uh, Bowling Alone, this Harvard researcher has this one graph that shows the correlation between church attendance and national happiness. And uh, you perhaps have seen this before. But basically what he's, he's showing here is he found that people who do not attend church at all are significantly unhappier than average. Do you see that on the graph? People who attend church 20 times a year are average happy. And people who attend church near weekly are the happiest people in America when it comes to church attendance. It's like something about the church, about gathering with God's people, about worshiping and praying and learning something about that, despite all the ways we've messed it up, something about that leads to greater joy. Even in the midst of the height of the pandemic, the Barner Research Group, did a similar study. And they reaffirmed that even in the midst of the pandemic, people who are regularly in worship have better mental health. And I know some of you are just plain out of the habit. Uh, some of you got out of the habit when we, you know, went online only. And so let me just say this as clearly as I know how. Get back in the habit. Living into community, worshiping regularly with God's people, it's good for you. It's good for your children. It's good for your grandchildren. And it's not just that weekly worship is good for us. Because sometimes, I mean, particularly in like a megachurch context, sometimes people will go and still be isolated, right? Because it's like they're kind of like in the perpetual visitor category, and so that might be you, like chronic visitor, and you can still be pretty isolated. So I would say take it a step further. If you really want to experience the, the superpower of community, the invisible force that holds you up when the phone call comes, don't just attend worship, get in a group. 
Find some people where you can experience mutual knowing, knowing and being known, and serving and caring Because this is God's plan that we might live life into community with one another, not just for our own benefit, but also to be a blessing to the nations. It's God's plan. In Bowling Alone, he says this, the bottom line from this multitude of studies, as a rough rule of thumb, if you belong to no groups but decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. which is why we're thinking about changing the tagline to groups like join a group or die. <laughs> I mean, some churches call them life groups, you know, like <laughs> they keep you alive. But community doesn't, it, it's not just about right physically. It's not just support emotionally. You cannot grow spiritually alone. This is God's design. It is the primary way in which we grow in our faith. It's the primary way in which we grow spiritually. So the writer of Hebrews said it like this. He said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The time to build community, relationships, bonds, connections, is now. It's before the phone call comes. Because time and time again, I have seen where the crisis comes, the phone call comes, and at that point, an individual does not have the energy to form the connections needed in that time, in that season. The time to build community is before the phone call comes. The scriptures say, do not give up meeting together. And maybe you're thinking like, I'm not in crisis right now. I'm doing pretty well, feeling pretty self-sufficient. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling in control. But let me just, I want to say two things that I think are real and true. Number one, the phone call will come. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but it will come. There will come a day when you realize you need people. That you can't do it alone. That you can't stand alone. There are those moments in life. And, you know, sometimes it's like the bursting heart moments, the dancing heart moments. Sometimes it's the breaking heart moments. I remember some time ago driving to the mountains after an event that happened in our home that moved me to so much joy. I was weeping with a bursting joyous heart and I called my friend Kate. Because I needed someone in that moment to share that good news with. There will be a day, there will come a time when your bursting heart or your breaking heart needs other people, needs community. So that's the first, first thing that's real and true. The other thing is, the other thing that is real and true is that even if you feel like, I got my people, I don't really need people, I got plenty of people, somebody needs you. Somebody in the fellowship, fancy word for community or church, somebody needs you. Somebody needs your perspective, somebody needs your shoulder, somebody needs your listening ear. 
Somebody needs your presence. Somebody needs you. We live in this time and in this place on the planet where, despite chatter of a recession, there is still so much affluence, so much economic prosperity, and yet so much relational and spiritual poverty. Very few people move to America or move to Denver for relationships. They move here for school, for jobs, for opportunity. They move here for the mountains, for freedom, for adventure, for play. I mean, if you had to just pick a word to describe the spirit of this city, what would it be? Weather. Weather? What else would it be? Pick a word to describe the spirit of our city. Yeah. Independence, maybe opportunity. It's like the spirit of the gold rush is still like the air we're swimming in. Everybody go stake their own claim. But the thing is, staking your own own claim It doesn't build community. It doesn't bring you the sort of bonds that you need when the phone call comes. Acquiring wealth, acquiring networks, acquiring online followers and business contacts, it's not a family. That's not community. And the great paradox of this moment in time, the great paradox of our culture is that we have never been more connected, and yet we've never felt more alone. Just imagine a church where everyone felt known, everyone felt safe, and here I belong. Imagine a workplace where every person felt cherished, where every employee felt valued for who they are, not just what they produce. Imagine if Denver became known, like not just for the mountains, not just for the sunshine, not just for the opportunity and the adventure, but rather as the city where everybody has a friend. Imagine that. Imagine if we were known for that. Imagine if people moved here because of that. So even if you feel like you got your people, Let me remind you, somebody may need you. Because there are lonely people and hurting people and scared people. And Jesus says, come to my family, the church. This is my design. And in it, you're going to find spiritual mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and friends. This is the church. This is my new community. And as we kick off these three weeks talking about living into community, I... uh, I trust that you'll listen to the Spirit on this. I don't know what your life looks like right now. But I believe the Spirit of love will lead you and will guide you in discerning and having an imagination about what would it look like for you right now to be living into community more fully. For some of you, that might simply mean like re-upping your commitment to being here in weekly worship. If you're not traveling, if you're not out of town, that you're here. 
And when you are out of town, you're staying connected online. Or maybe for some of you, it's reaching out and finding a person who could be a prayer partner, a spiritual friend. Maybe it's something else. Today, I want to highlight one action step that, like Tim said, we're really hoping and praying like 80% of this church community jumps in on and gets involved in. 100% would be even better, but in September and October, we're doing something we've never done, which is a church-wide book discussion. So the sermons are going to be based on this book by Sky Jathani called What If Jesus Was Serious? It's based on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus's most famous sermon in scripture. So we're going to be looking at those words from scripture. We're going to be looking at Sky's book, and uh, it is a great opportunity for you to say, you know what? Living into community more fully for me would simply be signing up and showing up for an eight-week group to deepen some connections, to, to know some other people around here, to, to be known more fully by some people around here, to choose to move from isolation to community, from maybe from community on the peripheral to a little deeper community, to make some friends, to have some fun, to grow in your faith. We, um, we're actually going to take a moment right now. I think Charlie's going to come up. And um, I don't really care if you listen to my thoughts and words about this. I really want you to listen to God's spirit on this. Because I long for you and I to have that, that circle of people when the phone call comes. And so we're going to take a minute to, um, Charlie's just going to pray. I mean, play. And I want to invite you to take a moment to pray and to simply ask God, God, how are you leading me? Where can I celebrate the connections you've already given me? Where might I be able to grow in deepening community in my life, both of those? And so take a moment to pray, and then I'll close this in prayer in just a moment. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are community. You are the eternal dance of triune love. And we, your people, are made in your image. So it is no wonder why we cannot thrive without others. God, would you show each and every one of us what it means to live into community now? And then would you grow it here among us at Platt Park Church, we pray today. Amen.